Hey guys, welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It's me, Jesse Vaughn, and uh, I want to talk to you guys today about song covers and song covers that I like. Well, one song cover that I like and two that I really hate. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that today because that's what's been on my mind lately. Um, let's talk about song covers, though, just as an entity. Um, I think the concept of song covers is really actually a great one. Because when you think about it, that's, I think, how most people get into music to begin with. Is they hear a song that they like, and they say, well, I want to learn that. And that usually happens when you're a kid, is that you hear a song that you really like, and you're like, man, I'd really love to learn how to play that. I should learn to play the guitar. I should learn to play the piano. I should learn to play whatever instrument it is. It's because you want to play a song that you like. And as that musical ability and your love for music grows, you learn to create your own music and it all started with wanting to learn to play covers. And sometimes professional musicians do covers of other people's songs, and sometimes they're really good, and sometimes they're absolutely horrible, um, which kind of conflicts against what I just said about I think it's a beautiful concept to to want to play something that someone else wrote and make it your own and to, to make your own version of it. I think I think the idea is great, but sometimes the execution is really, really bad. So I just want to talk about um, two song covers that I really hate and one that I actually quite like that kind of weirdly enough meshes the two that I dislike. Um, so I'm going to start with like my oldest beef that I've had with a song cover, and that is um, The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. You heard that right, by Simon and Garfunkel. One of the things that you might know about me is that I am unapologetically a huge Simon and Garfunkel fan. Um, it started off when I was about 12 years old or so. I was out with some friends. We were going to a Bible study, I think, and they were playing a Simon and Garfunkel CD in the car. And it might have just been peer pressure and that I wanted to be part of the group. I'd like to say that it's my superior taste in music, although it was honestly probably more just peer pressure. I decided... Man, Simon and, Garfunkel, Simon and Garfunkel are actually really good. I like them. And I have a Simon and Garfunkel CD in my car. I own Bridge Over Troubled Water on vinyl. I actually own two solo Art Garfunkel albums on vinyl. And I even have a picture of Art Garfunkel hanging up on my bulletin board. I'm looking at it right now. I've had that picture hanging up in my room for about 10 years now, I'd say. I found it in a I found it in a Reader's Digest at my grandmother's house, and I tore it out of the Reader's Digest, and it's been hanging up on my bulletin board in my room for, like I said, about 10 years. It's old. It's being held together by tape because there's a big tear down the middle of it. At one point, one of my brothers took the push pin out of it and stuck it right between his eyes, but it's a picture that I really have grown to love, and I don't know. It just seems... It reminds me, I don't know, it makes me really happy. So I've had that picture hanging up for a long time. So keep in mind that as I say this, I am unapologetically a huge Simon and Garfunkel fan. But the song, The Sound of Silence, is a really, truly beautiful song. And part of what makes the song so moving is that it involves and relies on a lot of actual silence in the song. Is the lyrics, the music, it's all very quiet. And so it, it brings a lot of emphasis to the lyrics and to the words. And so it's just a really pretty song to listen to. 
Um, if it's just playing in the background, it's easy to listen to. You're like, oh, wow, that's a pretty song. But if you listen to it, it's it's kind of poetic and it's beautiful. It's it's a folk song. I mean, it's written by Simon and Garfunkel. And so the lyrics are really, truly very good if you just take the time to sit and listen to them. Um, the issue that I have with this song is that it has been covered by uh, Disturbed, which, if you will recall, is a heavy metal band. I just don't understand it. If if you go onto Spotify or Apple Music and you sound and, and you search for the sound of silence, uh, inevitably you're going to get the sound of silence by Disturbed. It's going to be your top hit, and and that truly bothers me because I think it's not a good version of the song. Other people might disagree with me. People that like to hang out in the weight room at, in high school would disagree with me because that was on their workout playlist. I don't I don't understand why people like that version so much. Um, I actually just listened to it a second ago just to kind of, you know, just, just to get a good feel for it before I sat down and talked about it. And it starts off really good, actually. I'm like, no, that, I was wrong. This isn't such a bad version of the song. But as it gets to the end, he starts, the vocals get much louder. The music starts getting much louder. And it it's powerful and it's moving. His, his vocals are actually really good. I'm not going to deny that. But it loses a lot of its its charm. The song, the song, I think, loses something as as you start emphasizing more of the vocals and the music. It's about the words. It's not about the music that makes the song so special. And if you take a folk song like The Sound of Silence and you push it to a place of like heavy metal, you really are going to lose something in translation. It's, if you mention that song, you either think of like... You think of the meme from Arrested Development where you got someone kind of staring into the middle distance with the opening, hello darkness, my old friend. Or you think of Disturbed, which I think really discredits Simon and Garfunkel for the amazing work that they have done and the amazing song that they wrote. And so I hate it. I hate that song and I'm not going to apologize for it because I think it's a bad cover. I think it it takes a, a... nearly perfect song and it makes it worse i think it takes a like objectively great and almost perfect song and it, and it makes it worse it doesn't push it over the edge to be better i think it actually makes the song worse and so i hate disturbed's version of the sound of silence now there's something weird i don't understand it exactly this is going to kind of tie into the next song that i want to talk about I don't understand what it is exactly about heavy metal bands um, covering songs that are honestly mostly acoustic. I I don't get what the idea is there. Um, The next song I'm talking about is Hurt by Johnny Cash. Um, Funny enough, the first time I ever heard that song, it was actually a cover of Hurt by Johnny Cash. But I heard it and I was like, wow, that song's really good. I want to listen to that. And... And so I went home and I searched it and it was by Johnny Cash. I listened to the Johnny Cash version and I liked it so much better. Um, so to give you some context, my my wife and I, she was my girlfriend at the time, we went to go see Mumford & Sons in concert during their uh, Delta tour. And they were great. They put on a great show. I've always loved Mumford & Sons. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. And during their encore, they, they put on a great encore performance. They they put a lot of thought into it and a lot of effort. 
And so one of the songs that they performed was one of their own originals. It was called Ghosts That We Knew. And they asked the whole crowd to sit and to be silent. And it was just all the band members harmonizing and like one guitar. And it was hauntingly beautiful. It was a really fantastic performance. But another one of their encore songs, one of the last songs they performed that night was Hurt by Johnny Cash. And I liked it. It was a great song. It made me want to go home and listen to it again. But the Johnny Cash version absolutely blows it out of the water, which I think says a lot because Mumford and Sons always puts on a great performance. I don't think they, they do anything poorly. But the Johnny Cash version, uh, every time I listen to it, and I honestly listen to it quite a bit, it always makes me feel something, whether it's sadness or hope or whatever it is, it always gives me chills when I listen to it. Like I, I get them down the back of my neck and across my shoulders. I get, I get chills listening to Johnny Cash sing Hurt. I think I have to credit that to the movie Walk the Line. I, I found out that not everyone has seen that movie as many times as I have. That, that was a movie that we actually watched fairly regularly in our music classes in like middle school and high school. You know, if, if there was a time where we weren't going to be learning anything, they'd put on a movie. They, they'd put on a movie about music, so they'd, they'd put on Walk the Line, which, controversial opinion, I think that's Joaquin Phoenix's best role. I mean, he's a great actor, don't get me wrong, but... Him playing Johnny Cash was really fantastic. He puts on a really great performance in that movie. But if you watch that movie and, and you see and learn a little bit more about Johnny Cash's life, um, he didn't necessarily have a great life, and he wasn't necessarily a great person. So the song Hurt, the, the power behind it is, I think, the emotion. It's, it's because Johnny Cash delivers a really heartfelt song. He, he talks about pain and just to see if he can feel anything anymore. And if you think, and I, I only know some of Johnny Cash's personal history through the movie Walk the Line, but growing up, Johnny Cash lost his best friend, which was his brother. He lost him in an accident at a sawmill, which he felt responsible for. Um, his father did not, he blamed Johnny for the death of his brother and never supported him with him wanting to make a career out of music. And so he never had a family to come home to. He was in the army and that, that was hard on him. His, his first marriage blew up and fell apart. He got into drugs and alcohol. He married June Carter and that seemed to be a good moment for him. But at that point he was already into drugs and alcohol and that marriage fell apart. And he just kind of died a broken man. And so listening to him sing that song, it's really powerful because the chorus begins with the words, what have I become? And his old man voice shaking and you, you just hear the emotion and the pain that he has. And, and he really, you, you really feel it. It's not just someone up there singing not just trying to put down a good album. He's not just trying to make money. I mean, he's he's singing about his life and about the things that he's had to go through. And it, it's really touching and really heartbreaking, honestly, listening to that song. 
if you're driving alone in the car at night, I think it's the perfect song to listen to, to sing along to, and just, just to listen and, and just to feel it. I think it's a great song for that. And so it turns out there, there are two covers of this song. One of them is by another heavy metal band, Nine Inch Nails, and of course Mumford and & Sons. And I want to talk a little bit about both of those, because like I said, I listen to both covers just just to get a feel for them, to see how they compare to the original song. And the Nine Inch Nails version is so horrible. It's it's terrible. I, I can't even put words to it. Like, if I were to hear the Nine Inch Nails version of the song Hurt, I would never have listened to it again. I would never have thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. I would like to know more about this song. I would say I never want to hear that song or a song by that band ever again. Uh, maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe you like Nine Inch Nails. But that song stinks, man. It's a stinker. It, it relies on a lot of dissonant chords, which the song doesn't need. And the vocals are like scratchy and low and quiet and they're kind of syncopated a little bit. Like they don't hold a normal rhythm and he kind of busts it out in the chorus. And so it it comes out better. Like the vocals are okay in the chorus, but then the song ends with almost a minute straight of just like guitar feedback. And I, I was, I was actively thinking, man, just make this stop. I almost skipped the ending of the song because it was that bad. I mean, it was, it was horrible. I don't know how anybody could have, I don't know how a record label heard that song, recorded it and thought, yeah, we'll, we'll put that on the album. Like it was horrible. It was terrible. It, it lacked all of the emotion of the Johnny Cash version and all, and all the musical charm too. Uh, that's another one of the things about the Johnny Cash version of the song that is so good is it's the music that adds to it. The music is, is super minimal. It's Johnny Cash, a guitar, and there is a piano supplying some more of the chords in the background. But really, the song is pretty stripped down. And and during the chorus, you just kind of have this droning, constant chord that just keeps pumping out the beat. And it, it builds this almost tension but it also just kind of drowns out into the background and adds emphasis to the lyrics. So when you listen to the song, you almost forget the music's happening and all of the focus goes straight to Johnny Cash singing, what have I become my sweetest friend? And and like I said, it gives me chills and I just really can't put to words how much I love that song. Um, it's so good. And the Nine Inch Nails version has none of the things that make it so good. It, I, I would say listen to it just to understand what I'm saying, but I, I couldn't in good conscience, conscience ask anyone to listen to that song because it is truly horrible. Um, switching gears to the Mumford & Sons version, I would actually recommend you listen to that one. Um, Mumford & Sons very recently released an EP of live recordings from their Delta tour, which include a bunch of their own songs. And it does include Hurt, which I think they perform pretty well. Now, I think it, similar to the Nine Inch Nails version, um, it, it doesn't have the same emotion to it that Johnny Cash delivers. Because 
Johnny Cash at the time he wrote, recorded, and released that song, he was he was an old man, and he he was looking back on his whole life, and he he had a lot to draw on, and Marcus Mumford is not not nearly as old, and one of the things that Marcus Mumford and Mumford and Sons does really well is that it controls tone very well is if it's an upbeat or a happy thing, they, they can rock that out. If it's solemn and somber, he can control his tone to match that very well. And so I think he delivers it correctly tonally, but I don't think he, the raw emotion is there. But I think one of the things that I think Mumford & Sons does better is the ending of the song. So there, there's kind of, it's almost like a bridge. It's an extra line that's not in the chorus, but it comes immediately after the lines go, if I could start again a million miles away, I would keep myself. I would find a way. And when Johnny Cash sings it, you know, he's at the end of his life and it's it's such a sad song. I think he's looking back to say, if I could start again, I would do things differently. And it's sad because he doesn't have the chance to start again. But when Mumford and Sons performs it, because they don't have that experience, I think they can deliver, if I could start again, it's a lot more reasonable to think that they could start again. That they're young enough that they could continue and they could start things over. And and so they deliver that with a lot more gusto and it's more upbeat. And then they deliver this really awesome, just musical closing to the song with their guitars and the drums and it really rocks. Um, I think Mumford and Sons does a good version. I would, I would listen to that. I think they, if you're not feeling so good and you want to feel better, listen to Mumford and Sons. If you're not feeling so good and you want to feel it, listen to Johnny Cash. I mean, they're both excellent versions of an excellent song. Um, but I think, you know, Hurt is another one of those songs that I would consider almost technically perfect. And if it was never covered by another band, I don't think the song would lose anything. Mumford and Sons does a good job, so I give them credit to that, but those are two songs I don't think needed to be covered. But some covers were made that didn't need to be made. Let's just leave it at that. Um, so like I mentioned at the beginning, there is a cover that I really do like, and it oddly enough kind of splits the difference on the, the two covers that I dislike or the songs I don't think needed to be covered. Um, and that's the song The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. Again, it's it's a song that was originally written and performed by Simon and Garfunkel, but a really good cover was done by Mumford & Sons, which I, I really quite like. It's on the deluxe version of their album Babel, and they get Jerry Douglas in to play the guitar, and it's really great. And I think that's because... Tonally, Mumford and & Sons and Simon and & Garfunkel are much more similar. Like, I don't, I don't think that a heavy metal band can properly capture, like, a folk song because the music is just so different and so... I mean, they're just polar opposites of each other. I don't think they can really truly come together and, and capture what the song's about. But Mumford & Sons, they're, they're kind of bluegrass, they're kind of folky, and so they can cover it the right way. And I think it's a really good version of the song. It might even be better than Simon and Garfunkel's. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, it. I think I like it better than Simon and Garfunkel's, which again says a lot because 
I'm unapologetically a big Simon and Garfunkel nerd. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I've got to say about covers and music is I think that they're a good thing because to take a piece of art and to make it your own and to build a relationship with it, I think that's why bands make music and artists create things is so that it's, it's partially for themselves, but also for the people that consume them to, to make it their own and to have a reaction to it. But sometimes the reaction that people have to it's no good and that a cover is made of a perfect song that never needed to be made. So that's my opinion. I, I think that some songs never needed to be, never needed to be covered. They shouldn't have been covered. And they were anyways, and there's nothing we can do about that. Just ignore them. Ignore the disturbed version of The Sound of Silence, or I won't be friends with you anymore. That's not true. But I will definitely judge you silently. Um, so let's talk about uh, last week. Last week I talked a lot about sleep and how I need to be a more dis disciplined person and to get out of bed on time, don't hit the snooze button, get after it. I, I talked a pretty big game about that. And uh, <laughs> every single day this week, I, I definitely smashed the snooze button and didn't get up until I absolutely had to. So I really, uh, really didn't hit, hit very hard on that one. I, I really goofed that up, I'd say. So this week, I'm going to try that again. I guess I'm just going to try to be a better person, be more disciplined, get up on time, maybe even early, and, and make the most of it. Um, I gotta say, I just kind of want to keep covering some of the New Year's resolutions I talked about because I have I have some good ones. Um, I'm in the, I'm about halfway through John Steinbeck's East of Eden, which which is good because I'm about halfway through the month, and so if I'm going to finish it by the beginning of February, I'm I'm on pace to do that. But I really think that that is one of the best books I've ever read. Um, it is all of 600 pages long. I mean, it, it's a long book, but I would highly recommend to anybody to read it because the storytelling and the, and the characters that John Steinbeck manages to write are phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's really a masterclass in how do you write books and how do you create characters and make them interact with one another? Um, this, this book is unlike anything else I've ever read because, it's not a story about one set of characters. It's, it's almost like, it's like an anthology of two separate families and the way that they happened to intertwine and, and it kind of, and the way they intertwine and the way that the families themselves interact with each other and with them and, you know, within the family and with the other family, it tells the story of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel I mean, generationally, it keeps happening to these these families. And the characters are so good, and the writing is fantastic. And John Steinbeck is honestly hilarious. I mean, so it's such a wonderful, wonderful book. It, it The characters are great. The storytelling is great. It's funny. And, and the imagery that he uses, it's gorgeous. I, I would really recommend buying East of Eden and reading it. I mean, you don't even have to buy it full price. You, I mean, you, if you want to, you, you could and you should. I mean, having a brand new version of it's great. You can mark it up. That's what I do. I like I like marking up my books, underlining things I think are funny. 
writing little notes to myself, but you can, you can get on a website like thrift books or Amazon and buy it for buy a used version of the book for little to nothing. And, and now you've got this great book to read that is, is amazing. I'd really highly recommend, um, I'd really highly recommend reading it. I, I've just been wanting to talk about it. I'm really, really juiced just to be reading it. Um, Matt actually is reading it at the same time. Well, he's, he's not as far into it. I don't even think he started it yet, but Matt is also planning on reading East of Eden. And we've kind of agreed that whenever he finishes, we will do a podcast episode together. Guaranteed. We're going to do one together to, to discuss East of Eden because it's, it's a fantastic book and it's coincidental, honestly, that we're both reading it. We didn't plan it that way. It's just a book that I wanted to read and he wanted to read. And we just happened to be wanting to read it at the exact same time. So I'm really excited to watch that with, well, to read that and then discuss it with Matt. Because, I mean, I like to think that I'm a pretty smart guy. But Matt has a way with words and has a way of understanding literature that I'm really excited to talk to him about it. I think it's going to be a really, uh, a really enjoyable thing to talk to him about and hopefully you guys would maybe enjoy listening to us talk about a book that you've probably never read. <laughs> um, I also watched a bunch of movies this week, um, way more than I did last week. Um, let's see. I watched Braveheart, The Sound of Metal, Tenet, Inside, Lewin Davis. Um, all of them are honestly really good. Um, the movie Sound of Metal is an Amazon original. If you've not seen it, I think it's worth watching. You know, if you have Amazon Prime, then it's free because it's one of their original movies. It's about a heavy metal drummer that goes deaf and him dealing with losing his hearing, which it's a great story because it, it deals with a couple different things. I mean, for one, you've got a guy that his livelihood is based on the fact that he can hear. Like, he creates music for a living. If he can't hear, he can't continue to create music. Um, I mean, Beethoven would differ, but heavy metal ain't no Beethoven. But I mean, it, it deals with that. So you have this, this struggle of a guy basically trying, he's losing his job, but you also deal with him, you know, he's dealing with a disability and that always creates a moving, a really moving, uh, story on screen is to have someone dealing with a disability, something that they have to physically overcome. Um, and I've thought about that a lot, actually, is like, what would happen if I were to one day be in an accident and I have a head injury and I go blind or I go deaf? Like, how would I react to that? What would life be like? Like, it would be terrifying. And uh, Riz Ahmed plays the lead. He does a really great job, like visually showing uh, the challenges and the anger and the fear of someone that's all of a sudden lost an integral part of being alive you know it's something that we take for granted so easily it's like oh yeah of course i can hear things but you know nothing's guaranteed someday when we get old we might lose things or we might be in an accident and i i think personally if i had to choose which sense i would want if i had to lose one sense i would probably choose my hearing um I think not being able to see would be a much bigger challenge to deal with 
And besides, I think it'd be really cool to learn ASL, American Sign Language. I think that'd be a really cool thing to learn anyways, so <clears throat> that would offer me a great excuse to learn ASL. But that's been my week. I've watched some good movies. I've read some good books. Well, I've continued to read a good book. I've listened to some good music to prepare for this episode. Um, let's see. This week, I want to drop another recommendation. Uh, I think you should listen to any of the songs that I mentioned, at least the original versions, uh, Hurt or Sound of Silence. Um, but I think I'm going to recommend a song from the movie Inside Lewin Davis. It's about a folk singer, which I think, I think that actually might have been the reason that I chose... Um, it probably was the reason that I chose to talk about what I talked about this week was watching a movie based around music and uh, folk music, which I actually tend to like quite a bit. Um, so I'm going to recommend this week formally that you should get on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, whatever you choose to listen to, and listen to the song Fare Thee Well from the movie Inside Lubin Davis. Um, the actor Isaac, Oscar Isaac actually sings in that song. He actually has a really great voice. Um, he plays Poe in the uh, Star Wars franchise, if that's how you'd recognize him. And singing the harmony, he's also got Marcus Mumford, who I talked about quite a bit today. Uh, it's a really great song. I think you'll really enjoy it. So that's my recommendation. Fare thee well from Inside Lewin Davis. Um, so that's it, man. That's what I got this week. All right have thought a lot about music, and I hope that you guys uh, can appreciate my opinions. If not, tell me what you think. Send me uh, send me some covers of songs that you really like. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the period secret language period pod. You can send me uh, song recommendations of covers that you like, or song covers that are absolutely horrible. I'm, I'm okay to listen to those too. Um, you can interact with us there. Um you know the drill. If you love the podcast, share it with someone you love. If you hate it, share it with someone you hate. Um, and until next week, oodle lolly. <laughs>